everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW's weekly show where we hit on all the latest and greatest news of the week. It's another big week for Bayern Munich in terms of news. There is never a shortage of things to talk about. A lot of great discussions on the site this week. A lot of great posts that were done by our great staff at BFW. And man, I'll tell you, at this point in this season, they have so many different storylines going on. As Bayern Munich is in the throes of a title race, uh, it's just pretty incredible. I mean, this club never disappoints on giving us fans a lot of things to talk about. This week, of course, Bayern Munich has Schalke. And if you listen to my preview show, I'm not expecting much of a match, even though Schalke has played better in the Rook Runda. I think Bayern Munich is just a better team. Bayern Munich should be focused on the task at hand, and they should understand that things are uh, pretty important right now. So they should want to come in and take care of business. Of course, though, what we've learned about this Bayern Munich team, especially under Thomas Tuchel, is that nothing is a guarantee. So I'll be very interested to watch this game play out. I think there are a lot of different ways it could go in terms of a lineup. But Tuchel is going to have to push the right buttons. He cannot afford a slip up right now. Cannot afford a draw. You don't want to give Borussia Dortmund any momentum, anything to play for at this point. They're just one point behind Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga table. It's a very, very important weekend, whether anyone realizes it or wants to admit it or not. Uh, Bayern Munich has a lot to play for this weekend. Uh, otherwise, there has been just just a ton of news and we have covered a lot of it. Uh, one of the things that was a big topic of discussion is something I do want to touch on first. And it rewinds us back to about this time last year when there were stories floating around that Bayern Munich was interested in Erling Holland. And anybody that, that had the gall to suggest that Bayern Munich might really want Holland and that Holland might really consider Bayern Munich was pretty much shouted down. But what I think we've learned over the past year and what we've learned from the interviews given by Brazo and Oliver Kahn over the course of the past year is that it was pretty legitimate. Bayern Munich was far down the road with Erling Holland and while a lot of people don't want to admit it, it seems like the two sides were pretty close. Now, ultimately, Holland had a number in mind. And depending on what site you look at in terms of salary, they all differ. You can probably safely assume that his base salary at Manchester City is somewhere in the 28 million to 30 million euro per year range. And we've seen just several different numbers, but I think that if you, if you narrow it down and you, and you focus in on it, it's somewhere in that range. And what ended up being the determining factor for Bayern Munich as to why they didn't want to push themselves to go to that height for a salary was that they didn't want to upset the team's salary structure. Now, to me, I understand the rationale somewhat that you've done business this way for a long time. You have a core group of players, many of whom are all within essentially four to five million euros a year of each other's salary. So you didn't want to come out of nowhere. You didn't want to take, say, Manuel Neuer or Thomas Muller, who were somewhere in the 18 to 20 million range. And you didn't want to blow them out of the water by paying Holland 30 million. 
I somewhat get that, except for the fact that it's Erling Holland, and you knew this was a possibility that that Robert Lewandowski could pull the trigger to leave at any point. You had an opportunity to go out and get a generational player, someone who could instantly replace Lewandowski if he had decided to leave, which of course he ultimately did. And I feel like it was just ill-conceived for Bayern Munich to look at its budget, look at its salary and say, like, we can't make this work. I mean, there were a lot of ways to make it work. Could it have meant, I don't know, not re-upping Serge Gnabry? Maybe. Could it have meant selling someone off or allowing Lewandowski to leave? If you think about it, Lewandowski's salary was somewhere in that 20 to 22 million range. You're only adding another seven to eight million on top of it. You could have easily made room for that in in your budget by selling off a couple of players or not signing some of the players that they brought in last season. And, and again, you wouldn't have had Sadio Mane. You wouldn't have had that rushed signing where now you're paying him upwards of 23 million euro per season to, to really come in and underperform. So there was, in my mind, there was a lot of flawed thinking when you go back to that, to that whole period. And I do firmly believe that Holland was a player who was considering Bayern Munich. And by all accounts, what we do know is it, it came down to Manchester City and Bayern Munich. And Jan Fjortoft had addressed it last year and, and people dismiss him. And listen, I, I know there are a lot of people that don't like him out there, but it, it, when it comes to Erling Holland, his information is, is pretty on point. And I think we all know why. I think we know where he's getting the information. So when, when he's putting something out there regarding Holland, it's typically the truth or it's typically pointed and there's a reason for it to be out there. Uh, I had theorized way back, even a year and a half ago, that that Holland might want to play for Bayern Munich. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back or anything, but I do. I always got that impression that that Holland, in the end, he he might have chosen Bayern Munich if they were willing to go up to that number. Now, Manchester City got itself a steal. I think they had to pay 60 million euro of the release clause. And no matter what they were paying him for a salary, it was a bargain. And as we're finding out this year, you can't get any striker that you want for less than nine figures. So when all said and done, it could cost you more in a transfer fee for Randall Colomwani, who has little to no track record of success in terms of consistency and being, you know, being able to perform at a high level for an extended period when you could have gotten Erling Holland for a salary plus transfer fee less than what you would pay for Colomwani. And if you want to throw Victor Osiman in the mix, Napoli now wants 160 million for him. Tottenham Hotspur wants 90 million for Harry Kane, which of course Harry Kane is not going to move, but the number is what it is. It's not going to be easy for Bayern Munich to solve this striker situation. And when we look back at the Holland scenario, there were a couple interesting pieces that I think get overlooked. So if you were going to whiff on Holland and you weren't going to go all in, which I think at that point last year, you needed to. You already knew Robert Lewandowski was not happy with Julian Nagelsmann. There were several reports last year about Lewandowski not being happy with how Nagelsmann was coaching, how Lewandowski was not the focal point of the attack, how he was not getting great service from especially the wingers. And Lewandowski was right. Last year, I think we saw, especially in the second half of the season, more wasted opportunities by wings taking bad shots or putting in bad crosses or 
basically making bad decisions in the final third. I think we saw more of that than we ever had before. And it wasn't that those players had awful seasons or were terrible in the in and of themselves, but it became a lot more of the wings being the primary focus of the attack and Lewandowski trying to clean up the mess. I think that irked Lewandowski. I think, you know, the fact that Nagelsmann didn't want to address it or change it probably had a very negative effect on Lewandowski and how he felt about his future with the club. And when you look at how it all played out with Nagelsmann, it all seems really silly at this point. Bayern Munich did not commit to Lewandowski because they were talking to Holland. They did not commit to Nagelsmann because less than a year later, they fired him. So it's, it's all come to this point where you had that scenario. You had Lewandowski already a bit unhappy with the coach. You knew he was a very sensitive figure. You knew that his ego got can get bruised pretty easily. So if you were talking to Holland, and once those reports started to surface, you knew that was going to be a problem too. So if, when you didn't go all in on Holland, you then had to find a way to convince Lewandowski to stay, whether that meant some kind of summit with Nagelsmann to talk about how Lewandowski's role could evolve or change into the into the way that Lewandowski wants to play whether it means you would have had to up his salary from that 20 to 22 million figure up to 25 I don't care but once you failed on Holland and you decided to go and not pursue it all the way when you didn't go all in on Holland you immediately needed to pivot and make it all about Lewandowski because you had a bruised ego you had an unhappy player and you had someone who you knew was already flirting with La Liga in the past. And sure, he didn't end up at Real Madrid, which is where we saw him most closely linked in the past. But FC Barcelona was dying to spend money last summer. And they did. And they got Robert Lewandowski probably unnecessarily because I feel like Bayern Munich didn't make that all-in effort one way or the other. They tried to play it down the middle. They failed on both fronts. And they put the team in a terrible position. They entered the summer knowing now that Lewandowski was unhappy. They entered that summer knowing that Holland was going to Man City. And they had no answer. There was no solution for how to move forward. And then it dawned on them. Sadio Mane is unhappy at Liverpool and wants to leave. We'll sign a big name. We'll say that he can play striker. We'll throw him in. And that will solve the problem. That will give us a big name player to get the fans off of our backs and give us someone who can score at an elite level. The problem was Sadio Mane didn't fit. He couldn't fill that striker role. Julian Nagelsmann then had to start messing around with his formations, playing a four triple two, experimenting with the back three, all of these different things in an effort really, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, to get Sadio Mane going. And unfortunately, he did not fit in initially. He still has had trouble fitting in now. He also had that injury in the middle of the season, which probably hurt his integration into the, the squad a little bit, even though he was months in at that point. It didn't help because he was so disjointed in the attack and, and not on the same page as his teammates that any time he lost was detrimental. So you had all of that to factor in, and it didn't work. Nothing worked didn't work with Holland, it didn't work with Lewandowski, and it didn't work with, with Mane. And now we're back here a year later looking at the same issue. Bayern Munich needs a striker for the future. We've talked ad nauseum about the striker possibilities on this podcast. You know my thoughts on this. 
I don't think any of them at this point, for one reason or another, are a good fit. I think the best option for Bayern Munich is to find a bridge until they get the right fit. You're not getting Holland this summer. You might get Lewandowski if Messi goes back to Barca because they would have to shed a lot of salary. And I think Lewandowski would be a massive uh, name on that list of salaries that they would like to shed because he's older. He's a striker who they really don't need if Messi comes back because they can play a formation that's not centralized based on a number nine. And honestly, I don't know that Messi wants to share the spotlight with Lewandowski. I don't really get the impression that Messi would enjoy that. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading into it. But I think there are so many other talented young players at the club. I think there are players that Messi would want to play with already at Barcelona and that will be available in the transfer market that Lewandowski will almost definitely have to be sold. And that, that's, I know it's probably going out on a limb as a prediction, but I think that if Messi does head back, Lewandowski will be sold. And I, as I stated last week, I think that it opens the door for Bayern Munich to go out, bring Lewandowski back. If everybody can put their egos aside in this, give him a year or two, right? Let him work this out. Let him play. I think he's got at least another two seasons at a high level, but he can be that bridge striker until you have to sign a new one. And maybe by that time, it's Matisse Tell. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen enough from him yet. Maybe it's Grant Liranos. I, I don't know. We need to see more of him as well. But either way, if you could get me two years of Lewandowski and, and make me punt on that decision to have to get a striker of the future, I could learn a lot more about Tell. I could examine the market and find a young striker who might be affordable and might be able to take the mantle from Lewandowski in two years. There are a lot of possibilities that you don't have if you go out and splurge this summer on a striker that might not fit for any number of reasons. So if we want to look at why Bayern Munich is in this situation with the striker, it's a problem. It all goes back to, to taking those half measures like I wrote about this week for the site last year. And I, I'm still disappointed with how it played out. I'm really disappointed with the board. And I get slammed in the comments on this because people think I'm being hard. But this board, they've made mistake after mistake. Now, they've done some really good things. Number one, they make a ton of money. And that's very important for the club, obviously. So they're great businessmen is what we have learned. And business people, I don't know exactly who all the decision makers are, but uh, there could be males, females. I'll just call them business people. Anyway, um, they're great at making money. Their personnel decisions are hit or miss. Some are good, some are not. They've made some smart strategic investments in players. I think Tell could be a player who... You, you probably overpaid for in the beginning. I mean, at, I guess what was rumored to be 30 million for a player with zero background and, and, and really had not proven himself at any major level. That was a gamble, but it seems like that's paying off because at a minimum, he looks like the kind of player that's going to develop and at worst could be sold. You took a gamble on Gravenberg. You didn't spend a ton of money on Gravenberg, but he's not happy. Okay, great. If you, if you can't make it work with him, you could probably sell him and, and at least make a little bit of a profit. Nusar Mizrahi was a good signing. It was a signing that you were you were making because you weren't really sure what was going to happen with Benjamin Pavar's future. So the problem is Mizrahi has also, one, been battling ailments 
for a good chunk of the season and two has been unhappy because he didn't get a lot of playing time, especially under Thomas Tuchel when Tuchel took the reins. So there's been ups and downs with the personnel decisions. Now those were just a couple, but the board itself has to figure some things out. They have to really develop a long-term strategy. They can't continue to go day to day with this. And I think when they fired Julian Nagelsmann, that was a day to day decision. They, Obviously, Bayern Munich was up and down for points of this year, but I, I felt like they were starting to settle in. And I've stated that several times. I felt like they had gotten what Nagelsmann was doing and they were starting to get on the same page. Nagelsmann had unlocked the key to what was working in the lineup, and it was just a matter of getting more time together. Unfortunately, right before the international break, Bayern dropped that game to Leverkusen. Nagelsmann went skiing and the board lost its mind and fired him, which was completely ridiculous still to this day. And if you want to tell me that Thomas Stuckel is so great of a coach that you couldn't risk passing up for him, this is the same exact thing you told us a year and a half ago about Nagelsmann. You had to pay all that money for him because you couldn't risk missing out on him if he took another job. It's the same scenario. You didn't want to miss out on Nagelsmann. You overpaid for him. You didn't want to miss out on Tuchel. You can Nagelsmann, and now you're paying, still paying Nagelsmann while adding two goals, extravagant salary onto the books as well. The board definitely owns a lot of what has went wrong because they haven't had a strategic vision for how this would all play out. And that one failure of not going all in on Holland and not being able to then pivot and then convince Lewandowski that he needs to stay and that would have taken some financial pushing to do you blew it you absolutely blew it and sure maybe Holland would have selected Man City in the end maybe you could have gotten in a bidding war and maybe even driven up Man City's price even more because at that point what's it matter if you're breaking your budget you might as well go all the way after it. Bayern Munich did not do that. They're relying on this false sense that the club and its reputation still carries the same weight as it did in, say, the, the 70s or 80s where, or even 90s when you're talking about this is Bayern Munich, this is the Mia San Mia mentality. It all means something more than putting your name on paper for a contract. The contract rules the day now. The players aren't the same. While the club reputation does mean something, it does not mean everything. And Bayern Munich has to adapt and understand that that kind of mentality no longer works for today's player. It absolutely does not. And I know that that is painful to hear because a lot, I think a lot of fans want to believe it is a privilege to play for Bayern Munich. In reality... Now, Bayern, it is Bayern Munich's privilege to get certain players. And unfortunately, that is the way it is. And if you're an old head like me, it, it, it might be tough to take, but you have to evolve and change with the way things are. And Bayern Munich's management style needs to change. And I think if, if the supervisory board really digs in to take a look at everything that went wrong, all the decisions that were made, I think that the rumored shakeup we had heard about could really happen. Oliver Kahn would certainly be on some shaky footing. Brazo could be on some shaky footing. It's going to be rough. And listen, if Tuchel can't find a way to win the league, I wouldn't be shocked if there is a uh, 
major reorg that goes down in Bayern Munich. Before we head into the next couple of topics, we're going to stop for this short break. Uh, just hang with us and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. Uh, thanks for hanging in with us after that break. In that first segment there, we covered the Erling Haaland, Robert Lewandowski situation. Went, really went deep into it. I hope I got all my thoughts out coherently on it because I do think that that one scenario really did branch out and touch so many different things. And there was such a trickle down effect into everything else that has happened. Uh, to me, it was one of the biggest moves slash non moves that went down because that one decision really set this whole season in motion and everything that's come out of it from signing Sadio Mane to Julian Nagelsmann's firing to Thomas Tuchel's hiring. It's all connected to that. So uh, I know it seems weird to kind of trace it all there, but that's really what happened. And one of the other big topics this week, and this is probably the biggest one that that hit our site was the, the story that Thomas Muller was unhappy and was contemplating leaving the club. So we had that initial story break. I need no name wrote that. Of course, he is our resident Muller aficionado. And, you know, I think that Muller in the, in the club's fan base, he holds a special place. And I do think there is a good segment of the fan base who's, primary fandom is tied to Thomas Muller for a lot of reasons, because I think for a lot of the younger crowd, they grew up probably some of them maybe liking Bayern Munich, maybe some were searching for a squad. But when you saw Muller play as a young kid, you saw this energy, this exuberance, this personality. And I think that for many people, it captured them. And over the years, you've seen him do so many great things that in your brain, when you see Thomas Muller, you're equating that with not just the journey of his career and all the joy that he has brought to fans, but your own joy as your own journey as a fan. It's how you maybe how you started. Maybe it was you were already a Bayern Munich fan, but Muller inevitably could draw something out of your fandom to make it special. And I think his connection with the fans is why this story hit so hard this week. And of course, in the in the follow up to that, we saw Oliver Kahn basically say Mueller's not going anywhere. We saw Mueller himself post to Instagram and say, you know, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, like you can't always believe what you read in the newspapers. But put yourself in Mueller's shoes. And this is a situation where I can see it both ways. And I can see him being unhappy with the situation to the point where he might want to leave. And, and let's look at that really quickly. Playing for Thomas Tuchel, who doesn't really have a plan for him, doesn't really have him in the cards. At this point, I think it's really safe to say that Tuchel really does view Muller as a player who, one, is a great veteran leader, two, is a glue player, but someone who could definitely impact the team without being on the field. Uh Unfortunately for Mueller, he still thinks he's got a lot left in the tank. He thinks he's got a lot left to play for. And he is absolutely intent on, on still being the kind of player that can impact games. I don't think Tuchel sees it that way. I mean, every decision that he's made in the past few weeks has really indicated that 
he doesn't have Mueller as part of his future. And I get Mueller's perspective. He probably feels like he's at the tail end of his career, which he is. Probably feels like, though, that he's got two years left to contribute. And I think that that's a fair assessment. I think based on the way he's played this year, he can be an effective player, a starting player for at least another year, maybe two. And I think that that is, I think that's completely fair. I think that that's the way a lot of people would categorize him. Now, there are others that that don't feel that way and people think he's done. And I, I get that as well, but I'm just judging by what I saw with my eyes this season that I think he's still got something left in the tank. So if Mueller feels that way and he knows that his playing time is not going to be up to what he expects at Bayern Munich, I get it. I don't fault him for wanting to leave if that's the way that he feels. Where would he go? I, I don't know. The problem with Thomas Mueller is the same problem I think that we've seen Nico Kovac, Carlo Ancelotti, Julian Nagelsmann, and Thomas Tuchel all deal with is they don't understand him. They don't understand what he does. They don't understand mostly how to use him. In between all of those coaches, we did see Jopankis and Hansi Flick have an absolute plan and get the most out of it and really have a lot of success with Mueller. We saw Julian Nagelsmann change to the point where he understood what was best for the team. He understood how to get the most out of the team, and that was by using Thomas Mueller. We haven't seen that from Tuchel. We did not see that from Ancelotti or Kovac. And guess what? They're all of them. I mean, those two were gone. How Tuchel ends up, we don't know. But at this point, I think it's safe to say that he is ready to move on from Thomas Muller in terms of being a starting player. So if Muller wants to leave, I get it. Now, on the flip side of the Thomas Muller situation, what if Muller, despite being unhappy, is that invested in the club where he doesn't want to leave, that he wants to stay? And I could see this as well. And while I don't feel like fully this is the case for him, I think he could look at things in the big picture and also have an idea that if he sticks with the club and he still is able to play as a sub, as if he's getting, you know, anywhere 15 minutes to a half hour a game, if he's able to be a mentor to those younger players that the club is looking to develop, I think that he understands that would go a long way and perhaps ha him having some sort of position in position in the future with the club, whether that's as a coach as a sporting director, or as someone uh, in the executive suite. I think that those are all possibilities. I think a lot of people really do understand Thomas Muller's knowledge of not just the club, but of the game as well, and his feel for players and, and playing styles. I think he's got a brain that is designed to, to be a football executive. So I understand both sides of this. If Mueller wants to leave, I would get it. If he wants to stay, I could see how he also has this longer term vision for what he wants out of his career and how he wants to see things moving forward. What do I think is going to happen? I think he's going to be really torn this summer. And I think there will be a big conversation with Tuchel. And I think at that point when Tuchel really does lay it on to him that he's not going to be a starter and that the club is moving on, at least with Mueller being an important player, that it's going to hit him pretty hard. And I think if he does feel like internally that he still has something left to offer, I would not be shocked if he takes this opportunity and tries to apply his trade elsewhere, at least for a season or two. Now, where would he go? We have seen, obviously, there are some big money deals waiting for him in the Middle East. I don't know why he would want to do that unless he just wants to make money. Maybe he 
doesn't want to pursue a career as a manager or a club executive. Maybe he just wants to retire when he's done. And, and if that's his plan, then going to the Middle East will certainly help <laughs> grease that. Now, granted, Mueller probably has more money now than he could ever spend, but who doesn't need more money? Especially if they're going to pay it to you like the Middle Eastern teams are doing these days. So I could get that. As far as, as other options, I mean, you would think Mueller would want to stay in Germany because at this stage of his career, it doesn't make sense to go to La Liga or to the Premier League. It's just those, I don't see that as an option for him. I don't think with the way that he plays and what his role is that he could gamble going to the Premier League. I don't think that, and barring a move to Manchester United where Eric Ten Hag has an idea of what Muller is and how to use him. I don't think there's any other club that really would would want to make that investment in Muller and that would be a good fit for him. Now, granted, his name does buy him a certain amount of notoriety. Maybe a club like Newcastle, who has a ton of money to spend, would be interested in, in drawing some of that in. I don't know. I mean, if I had to look at things, I would say that Muller might consider staying in the Bundesliga. I know Samran would love it if Muller decided to stay in Germany and play for Gladbach, which honestly wouldn't be a terrible fit considering where they're at as a club. I don't know. I would think that if Muller decides he's going to stick in the Bundesliga, playing for a club like Gladbach might work. Maybe playing for Augsburg, maybe trying to stay as local as he possibly can might work as well. I don't know, but Muller's going to have an important decision to make. I think that Tuchel has shown his cards. I think Tuchel is letting it be known that the days of Thomas Muller being a starter at Bayern Munich are over as far as Thomas Tuchel is concerned. And, you know, the club is going to have to weigh that as well. Uh, you know, Muller eats up a lot of room on that budget. It's a lot to pay a guy if he's going to definitely be a sub. Uh, at this point, you're paying for him you know, you're paying him for what he's done and not what he's going to do. And that's always a rough spot to be in, especially for a team that is so cost conscious, one that is, you know, that balked on going all in on Erling Holland because they didn't want to upset the salary structure. I mean, how's it going to look to some of these players that are going to be up for new deals like Leroy Sané and some of the others when Mueller's eating up that much of the the, the salary budget and and they know that they need new deals. So this is a huge, huge summer for Mueller. It's a huge summer for the club itself. I don't know how it's going to play out. It's absolutely going to be one of the subplots of the summer at Bayern Munich and something at BFW that I'm sure we'll be covering in depth. But what are your thoughts? I want to hear what what you all think about this. And you know, we've gotten a good, uh, I would say, a good set of takes on this from a lot of the people in the BFW community just based on I need no names post and then some of the others that have dropped since then but you know this is a very complex situation it's it's got a lot of different angles to it if thomas muller does leave the club does that affect your fandom because i think you know when you talk to a lot of older folks maybe even some people that are older than me they would just tell you that's hogwash one player shouldn't determine it but for a lot of people a lot of the younger crowd the, their entire Bayern Munich experience is tied to Thomas Muller. And I, listen, I, I could understand why 
a, a person's fandom would be affected if Mueller left the club because it's all they've known. Uh, especially like when I look at like people that are in their early 20s or in their teens, like legitimately Thomas Mueller to them is, is a demigod. I mean, he is someone who has probably helped drive their love for the sport, not just up for the club. So it, it's a very interesting scenario. Um, and I think that this is going to have major ramifications and at BFW, it's going to be a storm of things if, if Mueller decides he he wants to stick to being an important player and, and if he decides that he wants to try and move on. And, and I'm not going to rule anything out. I know that Mueller released that Instagram post and, and sure he had a purpose with that. But more than anything you know about Thomas Mueller is that he is not going to be a distraction and he is not going to allow anyone to to run the narrative and push him off course while the team is battling for a playoff or uh, a a championship. I almost said playoff spot, like this is the NBA or something. But Thomas Muller is not going to allow that to become a distraction at the worst possible time. So, at the very minimum, Thomas Muller can read the room and he understands what's at stake for the club and also what it would mean if the word did leak that he might be unhappy and might want to leave. There's no way he was going to let that affect what's going on the field right now. Finally, the last kind of crazy topic that we saw this week, and this one it really did come out of nowhere, but I know it's, 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 it's just a rumor at this point, but you can see how it kind of makes sense. And that was that Real Madrid is plotting a transfer move for Yashua Kimmich uh, somewhere around 2024, uh, perhaps next summer, maybe a little bit after. The one thing we do know about Madrid is they have some midfielders that are really hanging on at the end of their careers here. Luka Modric being one, Tony Kroos being another. We already saw Casemiro leave as, as he's gotten a little bit older. He left, of course, for Manchester City. Ironically, Casemiro has been linked to Bayern Munich, although I don't I don't really put a ton of credence into that rumor. But either way, uh, Real Madrid having interest in Joshua Kimmich is, is really not all that surprising. And what we have heard so far about this is that Kimmich is not fully opposed to moving on and, and trying to play abroad. We also know if, if you read anything about Kimmich back in the day, uh, you know, he had been working on learning Spanish and and really seems to have a, a lot of big goals for his career. Uh, and, you know, depending on how things go at Bayern Munich, it, it, you know, he could be in a spot next summer where he's contemplating making a move. So it's very interesting, right? Because we just spent a good portion of this episode talking about how that one decision with Erling Haaland and Robert Lewandowski has trickled down to affect so many other things. Uh, and it's kind of funny in a way that Kimmich is is also one of those players that if you reach all the way back, you can really trace it because Kimmich has really been targeted to be the, the next captain for this club. Uh, Manuel Neuer, we can assume, will be back next year. It seems like he's making good progress. He'll at least have a year right, to, to prove himself. The club's not going to make any rash decisions this summer. And by all accounts, I think we'll, we'll be down to Neuer, Ulrich, and a, a new goalkeeper, for the future who will probably be immediately sent on loan. But I think that that's the way that that's all heading, but 
I think when Neuer does finally play his last game, that Kimmich is going to be the one that the club anoints as the next captain. I think this there's no more of a safe bet than that. Now, you could really argue that Matthijs De Ligt is probably better leadership material, uh, maybe a little bit less volatile, but Kimmich runs that clubhouse. He is the man, the bridge to all the different groups and sex and sex, S-E-C-T-S, not S-E-X. I don't want to imply that there's any type of group sex going on in the locker room there, but there are a lot of different sections of the locker room. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, Kimmich is the one that ties them together. And he's a very popular figure, but he's also someone that's very driven, who's got a very high opinion of himself. And if he doesn't feel like the club is as committed to the end goal as he is, in, in 2024 and believe me, there's a lot to play. There's a lot of time between now and then for things to go right or wrong. I could see Kimmich totally being of the mindset to, to take on a new challenge, especially at a club like Real Madrid, where you are built in going to be one of the top two or three or four teams for the champions league every year. You could say that about Bayern Munich, right? You would think you could say that, but where is this team heading? Where is their vision? Where, where is the commitment to having the type of squad that can be a final four team for the Champions League every season? I think we would all like to think that Bayern is one of the top four clubs in the world, but on the field, it has not worked out that way. And, you know, for a player like Kimmich, who has really high self-esteem, really huge ego, and who is someone that has got his eyes on the prize in terms of winning trophies, if he doesn't get that sense that Bayern Munich is not as committed, he absolutely could pull the trigger and look to leave. Now, we don't know anything at this point other than we saw that rumor. We don't know how he feels about it. But we we know what type of person Kimmich is in terms of being a leader. We know what kind of player he is on the pitch. And we know that he's got a crazy mentality. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it's what makes him such a great player. But he's also going to look at situations and examine them to look what the end goal is for him. And if Real Madrid presents him with a financial package that is as good or better than what he's going to get at Bayern, if they give him the opportunity to be on a team that's going to be most likely a final four club in the, in the champions league every season, He's going to consider that as well. And I know that there's a lot of prestige that comes along with being the captain of Bayern Munich, but let me go back to something I said in the last segment. I don't think that the, the players view it as a privilege to play for a certain club anymore. I don't think that the club history and the mystique around Bayern Munich is all that important to today's player. I think that Bayern Munich, if they don't adapt and, and, really reverse that line of thinking and, and have the club be appreciative of the players that it can get. I, I think it's going to be a very difficult time moving forward until the adjustments are made. And I, I think Kimmich is part of this new generation. And I, I think maybe more so than a lot of players, his age, he probably does understand the level of mystique and, and the club's history with Byron and what it does mean. But I don't think it matters as much as it used to, especially to the modern athlete. And Real Madrid offers probably a, a better club history, a whole hell of a lot of mystique. Uh, 
he can get all of that there at Real Madrid if he wants that and probably more money too. So Kimmich is going to, he's going to be an interesting case because Thomas Tuchel clearly has a direction in mind for what he wants to do with this team and how he wants the team to play. Kimmich has been a player all season that we've kind of started to see him evolve into more of an eight rather than a six. What Kimmich's role is moving forward, what position he plays, what's expected of him, what Tuchel has planned for him. These are all things that are going to be super, super important for Kimmich to understand and for the club to observe. Because if Kimmich ends up being in a role that he doesn't want or he doesn't like, if Kimmich doesn't buy into what Tuchel's selling, then this could be a situation where we are sitting here in a year speculating on a transfer of Joshua Kimmich to Real Madrid. And listen, do I think it's going to happen at this point? Probably not, but it's out there. And, you know, you can use the old where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and maybe that's true. But this is something Bayern Munich's going to have to be aware of. When you show this much instability within the team, when you when you show squad planning with such poor decision-making as Bayern Munich has done at times over the past couple of years, when you falsely commit to a coach like Julian Nagelsmann and then pull out of it, at the worst possible time, it, it, there, it all just leads to more cracks in the foundation that you have as a club. And the last thing that Byron needs in this environment with the modern player, with the money that's being thrown around with, at Premier League clubs and in La Liga, Byron's going to have to be really sensitive to the fact that these players have options. And while they may love Bayern Munich as a club, there are plenty of other clubs that can offer them the money and the reputation and the mystique that they might really desire. So, uh, that is going to wrap it up this week on the weekend warm up podcast. As always, I, I do want to thank you for listening, trying to keep a little bit more condensed. I don't know that you all want to listen to me ramble on for an hour. So make it an effort to uh, streamline this a little bit. As I always say, you can get me at the barrel blog on Twitter. If you want to continue this conversation, hit me up there. I'm more than happy to interact uh, with anybody on that. You can get our site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom, our tweetmeister, at TommyAdam71. You can get I Need No Name, who I'm sure has a lot of thoughts on all of these subjects that we talked about today, at BFWINNN. And you can get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. They're doing a lot of great work. Check us out this weekend for the Schalke game coverage. We're going to hit every angle of that. We're going to have all the news as well. So we've got everything Bayern Munich and Germany related for you. Enjoy your weekend. Have a couple of beers on me and we'll see you next time.